Hello, my name is Scott Cameron. This is the joys of teaching literature. We're talking about all things high school English, teaching high school English here, so this might be, uh, we might get the award for the dorkiest podcast <laughs> in the podcast world. But nonetheless, here we are, and uh, I'm having a ball doing it. Hopefully you are too. If you want to know more about me, my website's www.theteachersworkshop.com. I offer online professional development or uh, self-paced courses for high school English teachers. And I try to cover, just like I do in this podcast, I try to cover everything that I possibly can. And uh, you can see it. It's, a, it's basically a screencast where I open up my uh, files and show you my handouts and I show you my student work and PowerPoints and pod, you know, all different podcast activities, different activities I do in class, projects that I run. I kind of walk you through um, everything that I do um, to keep things current and fun and meaningful and relevant in the uh, in the the world of teaching high school English. So this week, I'm going to talk about displaying student work, and um, it's interesting. I remember I think I actually might want to say it might have been my first day at my in the school where I was where I'm teaching currently, and. Um, I, I forget, like some student, I didn't even know who she was. She was a senior. I think I taught, yeah, I taught seniors my first year. And um, she just came up to me. She's like, hey, Mr. Cameron, like somebody gave me your name. Do you want to advise the, the art gallery in the school? And I remember, there was, it's funny because I remember when I got a tour, they give you a tour of the school before you teach there, you know, in the summer after you get your for your job. And uh, there's two things I remember being really impressed with. One was like the art gallery. We didn't, I didn't see it. We just walked past, and there was just two, two double doors, kind of big doors, uh, just a Newman Gallery, and a little sign. And I thought that's really cool. I didn't think know it was as big as it was, but I just remember thinking like, that's really cool. And then, um, and I had I'd actually been the advisor of the uh, poetry, um, well, the, the literary arts magazine at the school I taught before, and so I was sort of interested in doing that too. Um, and then the other thing was um, the swimming pool. I was a swimmer in high school. I played soccer as well, I played different sports, volleyball. I mean, I, when I was a kid, I played almost all of them. <laughs> I remember one time I even, they asked me to play in this all-star football game. I guess nobody was around during this one f all-star football game in the summer. They're like, hey, you play different sports. Like we need somebody to play on this in this all-star football game. And I'm like, okay, I've officially played every sport. But that was a frightening experience. You know, just jumping in there with all these guys are really good. But anyway, yeah, that, where I grew up in South Jersey, nobody, not the high school. I mean, every neighborhood had its own pool, uh, so everybody was a swimmer. But the high schools didn't have pools, and there wasn't at the time when I was growing up, there wasn't that many private pools. I think there was really just one for all of South Jersey. I think one or two. Now there's a couple. Um, but, yeah, when I started my, my job up there, I was like, wait, we have our own. What was it? The middle school. But still, we had our own pool. The middle school was right behind the high school. So um, I just remember actually seeing the pool. Unlike the art gallery, I didn't get to see it. I saw the pool. And it was just spectacular. I mean, it was amazing. These lights that kind of ran the the length of the pool so everything was was really bright there and had these windows go you could see out the out, out the outside to the trees and stuff and I remember thinking this is really cool <laughs> and 
Um, I don't do, I have three kids, so I don't really do much anymore besides parent. <laughs> and my commute is really long, so I had to kind of prioritize uh, parenting over the, some of the extracurricular curricular activities I do over the years. There's different things that I do during the school day now, but it's really hard when you have kids. But anyway, so what I advise anyway, the student back to the, back to my story, sorry. The student approached me and said, would you like to be the advisor of this art gallery? And I thought, yeah, are you kidding? Of course I'd love to do that. Um, I guess one of the art teachers had recently stepped down from the position and, uh, it really ran itself. I mean, these students really knew how to hang pieces. I mean, they taught me, basically, and I didn't really know anything. I mean, aside from going to art museums and being interested in different artists and different, you know. Um, I remember, actually, when I lived in Philly, there was uh, First Fridays, it was called, where we, we would go to Old City in Philadelphia and just kind of roam around the different art galleries. So I always had appreciation for art. They did not know anything about hanging it or displaying it or anything like that, but... It's always up for an adventure, and yeah, it was my first day working there, so I wasn't going to say no. And um, so that was that was really exciting, and it grew. Um, anyway, so I, I also became the swim. The point with the swimming pool story was that I became the swim coach too. So it was the two things that really impressed me the most. I actually became a, 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 a part of. I was the assistant swim coach for I think five years. And that was really, really exciting. One year we went to uh, the state finals, which was just amazing to be, you know, in a in a college pool, like so much of your school in attendance, and it's just a really exciting thing to experience. But, um, yeah, the art gallery um, that I advised, I remember one year I had a student that was really, really active and really involved with it. I mean, almost every student um, – that was a sort of student leader, the, the, the leader of the group. There was always a junior and a senior. Um, they were always really involved. I mean, over the years, I look back on it, and they gave so much of their time to make this thing wrong. And the, 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 the unique thing about it was that we had professional artists. So every year, we had at least one professional artist, and sometimes multiple. Uh, when you, for instance, one year, we had a teacher show where all the teachers were professional artists. Um, and we have put them all in one show. So that year we had, you know, multiple professional artists who just also happened to be teachers. Um, yeah, it was a lot of different examples um, of, of shows that I could go through over the years. I did it for a while. I, I, I can't remember how long, probably a decade or so. Um, I stopped, I stopped, it's interesting because I stopped advising the art gallery so that I could coach the swim team. And I remember <laughs> there was a year in between where I was like sort of had my, sort of trying to do juggle both balls at the same time and trying to make it work and it just wasn't but um so I had to kind of like pick swimming over art which felt weird but anyway um one year we had um again a really involved student and uh who was a leader of the group and we, we had a, we had an art show an official art show where we opened on a Friday night and then had these kind of open hours we called them where people could come in during the school day or after school we had somebody kind of gallery sit so the gallery would be open every single month of the school year and i don't even think that included like things like fundraisers on a friday night that we would have i remember one year we had movie nights and anyway so we we had i think something like nine or ten shows because we had the, the student show the art show the photography show we had a green show um, it's an amazing space. It was, I think it was a, um, I think it was for an auto shop, like a, like an elective. 
um, that just, you know, got turned into a storage space when they were doing construction at the school. And then the, the Dodge um, Foundation um, gave this, I think we got a grant to convert the storage space that just had all this leftover construction stuff into an art gallery. So it's just really sprawling, beautiful space, white walls, track lighting all through the whole space. We had this little, kind of little room in the corner where we stored different things. And um, so we, we really did, I mean, some of the shows were just, um, I mean, this thing, if you could picture it, it was about the size of a basketball court. I mean, saying, saying it's big doesn't really mean anything, but it was really it was about the size of a basketball court. I mean, not as high, I guess, but definitely the length. Um, so we had some huge pieces in there. And, and you can imagine just the, sometimes art galleries are kind of narrow, um, but it was just huge. We had all kinds of 3D pieces. We had a show called Glass and Light. I think that was one of the first shows, actually, that um, we set up and you know, all these glass pieces just all around the gallery. So we're kind of like pointing the lights at the you know, different angles at the glass. And um, <laughs> it was funny. So we had so many shows. Every year I remember having to buy like 15 or 20. I guess it was before uh, LED lighting. But I remember having to buy like all these light bulbs every year. Um but yes, I just really enjoyed that experience, um, especially because it was so interdisciplinary. We've kind of tossed that word around a lot, but you know, something like the Green Show, where we had people making art out of recycled products. There was also all these informational parts of the show. We had different flyers to give out, or information, or different group, different you know, student groups would kind of get involved with some of our shows. We had there was a historical component where we. Uh, talk to the Historical Society of Princeton to come in and help us with. Actually, we had a black history show, pictorial retrospective it was called, uh, where they kind of helped us create a history um, out of these photographs that they had in their archives. It was just an amazing experience to be able to work with students and do that and um, just tell stories and have people tell stories. We did um, something where we interviewed someone and uh, sort of made a recording of the video and played the video during the art show and different things like that. So it was there's always so many um, different ways of, of bringing in the community, of bringing in di different student groups. Um, and, and because I was an English teacher, we always had different ways of bringing in, I think for a couple of years, we did something called the Freshman Odyssey Projects where all the freshman teachers um, would make their students complete this pro this you know where you could kind of do anything you could paint you could create a sculpture um, I don't know make a board game I mean some of it was silly and fun and some of it was was really impressive amazing artists coming up with this stuff and we put those those projects on display in the art gallery and have all of the freshman students come through the art gallery um, to experience each other's projects. So so the project just didn't end when you gave it to your teacher. You could really, and you can think about it, you could, we were, you would flip through a book if somebody made a book, um, or, you know, a graphic novel, that kind of thing. You could sit there and flip through it, talk to the person as you're flipping through this book, looking at the student's work. Uh, one show we ca called, uh, we did different district-wide shows. So we brought in elementary school level students. So all the art teachers in the entire district would um it's incredible this was all it's so incredible to, to see you know so you had all the different um, students in this district would pick a we pick a topic like the flower or you know, sh I think one year it was shoes 
Um, so everybody like drew their shoe or whatever, their favorite shoe or a shoe or sneaker, or boot, whatever. Um, and so you just walk into a gallery filled with shoes. Like, and, and yeah, from elementary age where you can clearly see like, okay, that's a kindergartner doing that to all the way to senior year. You're like, that's really impressive boot we got there. Like what's going on with this boot? And um, so there was just a lot of, of just really exciting. Um, we always do these on Friday nights, but then again, we'd have it. We'd have it where people could just kind of come in during the school day. We had this, this thing called break where the whole school's off uh, for I think thirty or forty minutes. So people could kind of come down to to the art gallery, and make an announcement. We'd have flyers, but sometimes bookmarks where people can know which shows were coming up. And of course, the student shows where all the artwork. It's, it's crazy. All the artwork from all the art classes um, would be in this one show. That was how big this gallery was. So it was this incredible thing. We got to see everyone's art from the whole year. Um, and we had so much that we had to make a senior show. There was so much senior work that we had to make a separate show for it. So there was, I mean, I could, I could go on forever talking about, um, we had the dream show. We had something called, <laughs> something called the art of cooking. Um, where people, we had tables set up and people displayed their, their cooking or they had a picture of it or they had, you know, uh, they you know, had a drawing or a painting of some food. One in particular, I think this was one of the last years that I advised the gallery, we did something called, we thought there was a, the show was called Political Art. And so the art itself, you know, was supposed to be political. So we would get, we would do a call for submissions so the whole school would know, okay, there's this politics show coming up. What can I create for this? Maybe I'll take a photograph or maybe, you know, I'll draw something, whatever. And um, then we had a, de a political debate from two different student groups um, with microphones and all uh, in the middle of the art gallery <laughs> during the show. And so everyone that was there wa looking, walking around, looking at the, the art suddenly were, you know, listening to these students go back and forth about, you know, guns and taxes and the economy and all this stuff <laughs> in our gallery. It was just really, really exciting thing um, that was really spontaneous. And we'd, I didn't know how it was going to go. I was, a little, I was a little worried. And again, I'm a literature teacher, so I mean, I'm used to navigating hard conversations, but an actual debate, <laughs> you know. Um, so, so, yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, and the, so I have to talk about, and I have a link to this in my blog. Sarah Schneckloth came to her. So she, my God, I think it was, it was at least 30 feet long. I think it was 30 foot by 10 foot piece of cardboard that she rolled up. So she had, she was a professor somewhere North South Carolina, I think, um, and had her art students at her university, um, do this, it was black piece of cardboard and she used, I think, China markers or something um, to do an outline, like a skeleton kind of outline of, of this abstract art kind of doodle style. It was really detailed, 30 feet long, right? So she started that and then sent it to us. And then we rolled this thing out in our art gallery. We had plenty of space, it was perfect. We rolled it out hung it up on the wall because we had a huge wall to do you know i think i had to center the the dimensions of the the wall and um so she told 
told me that our, and all of our art teachers, like, hey, just have fun. Fill it in with different colors, and she gave us the materials. So our students filled in in all the different spaces and got kind of creative with what was there and, and made something more out of it. Um, <laughs> and this is great. This is such a good story. So it was amazing. And I remember my students, <laughs> I remember, like, grabbing whatever whatever it was, that acrylic or I forget some kind of marker um no it was like it was more like a pastel uh, I can't remember but I just started doodling my, I was like I have to be a part of this like I want my name to be on the list of artists for this because there was you know I, I don't know 50 people probably that that um, came down to participate we were doing it after school for fun and stuff like that so I got in there and just did like one circle and it took me forever. And I guess they were all watching me like, what, what is he doing? Um, but you know, I had my, I made my mark. So, um, anyway, so I, then I'm like, what do we do with this? And I'm talking to her like, what do we do with this thing? And she's kind of, I don't know, he's put in the hallway usually or something. And, uh, so I had a, and she's describing this way of hanging with string and stuff. So I was like, no. Went to Home Depot, had a conversation with this guy at Home Depot. It's like, I have this 30-foot piece of cardboard. <laughs> and like, so it's flimsy, right? It's, it's a piece of paper. And I got to get it up somewhere on a wall. I had this, I, there we have this performing arts center that has this huge white wall, and, and it's, it's surrounded by windows. So, and it's really, really high. You know, it's the wall of, of the pack. And I had this vision of like putting it up on there. <laughs> and um, I think we got like a, what do they call those? A cherry, cherry tree, cherry picker? Um, it's like one of those, the custodians brought this machine that, you know, let them go all the way up, probably 20 feet in the air. And um, <laughs> I bought PVC, the guy in the Home Depot was like, I don't know, just glue it to some PVC pipe. <laughs> I was like, really? But he's like, yeah, they make double-sided tape now. It's like cement, you know, just get some, like, really good double-sided tape and throw that thing on some PVC pipe, you know, and you know, got to make it so you got some supports in the middle, you know, make a frame, but make some supports in the middle with the PVC pipe, and you got to buy all the, you know, the joints to make it fit. And I was like, all right, so... I just went shopping for some PVC pipe, got a bunch of PVC pipe, measured it all out. And uh, it was just, yeah, I think it was 30 by 10. And so I just kind of measured it all out, got some really good double-sided tape, put it all around the whole piece and in the middle. And these custodians were brave enough to go up there and just, they drilled it right through. They had some cement drills. They cement, put it in there. And I thought it was going to last like a couple months. Um, I think it's still up. There's like a little bit of air that gets in behind it, kind of always like rips it at one place, but it's 30 feet, so I'm pretty sure it's still up. So it's pretty amazing that we pulled that off. We like had to keep it in the pack for a couple of days before they hung it up, and to, yeah, to see it go up was really cool. So that was one of the coolest things we did, and that was collaborative. Uh, that was, again, we had at least 50 artists on there, um, not including you know Sarah Slechtloff's students. So there's a bunch of people involved in that project. Um, and that's, I, when I think about art, you know, and we, we had uh, something called the Community Housing Show. There's community housing, low-income housing in, in, in the town where I work, and they have a bunch of artists there, and they 
brought their pieces to our gallery to sell. That was a cool experience too. And there was a bunch of different people in that. We had a, a, a veteran um, who lived in town for the Second World War, and what he did, uh, yeah, Sergio Bonato, his name is. He 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 kept journals. Um, instead of writing words in his journals, he would draw pictures. It's this incredible thing where he would, he was an artist during the war, after the war, um, and he kept a lot of the different different sort of memorabilia, whatever you want to call it, and newspapers and books. He had a story for everything that he that he brought in, um, different things he captured in battle, that kind of thing. Um, so that was really great because he was such a great, he was a great, you know, those guys are great storytellers. And uh, just his perspective on the war. So, so he had these captions for each of the images in the gallery that were, they were so funny. He was this funny guy. So he would, he would explain the context of like where he was or where he was fighting or something like that. And um, like throw a joke in there. <laughs> it was, he was such a great guy. Um, so that was fun too. So again, that, that, that historical, you know, you got the history, you got the art, you got sort of like the literature in there. Um, so it was, yeah, it was, it was that kind of place where there's just so many amazing things going on and setting it all up and making sure that, that we, you know, did it right. Um, where we had a sort of entrance where we explained things. We'd always have to, to have some text for people to look at or a flyer. Um, setting this shows up was so much work and I, looking back on my life, you know, and I'm still, it's not like I'm not busy now. But I remember being a first-year teacher and just running down to this gallery like almost every day sometimes just to do this or that or meet with somebody or go over something. They, we, we put on a show where there, we did a 150-year history, pictorial, like, a, like all these pictures of, uh, of our school districts, old school district. Um, and so we had 150 years of, of photographs um, from this, this um, group in town. Uh, was collecting them through the years. And so we had each of the different schools, some of which weren't, aren't even in existence anymore, um, with all these images for 150 years. So think about how much work went into, well, sometimes we'd have to, if we found something digital, we'd have to print it out, put it in a frame. Uh, we, all, we had 3D kind of part, we had sort of glass cases for different objects that people donated uh, from the school. From a long time ago, those sorts of yearbooks, you know, those sorts of things. Um, so that was, it was just a lot of work, um, a lot of time. It was so much fun. And to see it all, and, and there was like this marketing component. It was like before social media. It was not before social media, but it was before, like, I feel like if I had social media to advertise for some of those shows now, it would be really helpful. Because um, trying to get the word out about a show when you just have like a local paper that has so many art galleries in it already. Um, you know, just all the different ways that we tried to get the press involved and try to get them to do stories on our shows um, and, and to make the announcements at the school and put it here and put it there online. But uh, we made a web, we had somebody create a website. Anyway, I'm, I'm kind of rambling, but but it was just a great thing. And, and I think, um, yeah, when I, when I look back on it, one of the, my favorite things was right before show would start we'd have this to do that to do oh did you print that out or did we get the food where's the food where's this oh i didn't get the food i gotta go run and get this you know whatever it was but right before the show began i would have to like adjust the lights so that the lights would would 
like hit the artwork right so you could see it you know and because so there's no like shadows going on anywhere um and that was my favorite part and and i think it had to do the reason i loved doing it because i felt like i was i was illuminating something for someone you know i was getting i was allowing people more than like beyond just the artist itself um themselves to to be a part of this effort you know this time that we put into art um, it really does take so long to pe make a piece of art or to write an essay or do anything and I, and I just have such a respect for people that that put themselves out there for other people to see that take this private feeling and and put it out there because um, because when you put it out there you're you're risking all this criticism it's so easy for people to be like oh man that's uh what's that bigfoot you know like <laughs> um it's actually a big part of Virginia Woolf's To the Lighthouse. People keep tapping on her canvas as she's painting Lily Briscoe, one of the characters. And they keep basically criticizing, what's that? What's that? Because it's abstract. And people, are, everybody thinks that they know what good, makes good art. And so you, whatever it be a film or anything, any, anytime you make a novel, think about the, the novels that are now considered, even including To the Lighthouse, that at the time were not considered to be great literature. You know, now we have this, this, and you know, Jane Austen's in that camp too. Uh, but now we, now we know, like, wow, that they were, they were trying something different, and it didn't fit in with the styles of the time. Uh, but now we know it's great. And so, you know, I just, I have a respect for for anybody that wants to 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 to, to put themselves out into the world. And um, so, I guess that, I guess, you know, thinking about all of the ways that we sort of ask students to, to display their work is it's important because it's a cultural thing. We don't want our students just to be private with everything. I think some stuff is good to be private. I remember when I was a kid, I actually, in fact, probably most of it um, should, maybe should be private because I remember having journals and, and different things when I was a kid. I'm being okay with that. Like they shouldn't, they're not ready to publish really when they're children. Um, and, and I think especially when it comes to the internet, it's so easy to, to just make it worldwide that we, we got to be careful about that. But as far as like, you know, our classrooms, our school, um, and that the, the, the visual element of, of putting something that they've done out for each other to see, I think is really important. I think the art gallery, advising the art gallery made me think about, I mean, you know, even for our shows, just to get people to come. I mean, we all also time it with some, of the spring musical or whatever is going on at the school. We say, okay, let's squeeze it on this Friday night because this is going on at the school so people can kind of come early, get some food, and then go over to see the show or if the jazz band was playing or something like that. So we kind of combine our efforts there to get people to come to the shows. We had poetry readings. I always tried to get bands to come and play or acapella groups to come and sing. You know, I mentioned the political debate. Um, but, but what I, you know, the thing that, that I loved about the art gallery was the fact that it was the conversations. Um, when I would just look at people and, and myself included, kind of have conversations about the art because it is just a visual. But when, when you're trying to figure it out yourself, privately, individually, but then when somebody comes along and looks at it with you, and then you can talk about it, you can, you can bounce ideas off each other about what you think it means, and why there are certain choices made there. Um, it's what we do with literature all the time. So that was the part that I, that I really loved. 
Because you see some people, they just like to be by themselves and they walk around, they take their time, and that's cool too. But you can you can be in an art gallery for a couple of hours just because of the good conversations that you had, and you you know you're sprinkling a story in there. Oh yeah, one time I went here. If it's an image of a, of a mountain, you got a story about skiing or whatever you know whatever connection that you have to the piece, you can go back and forth with stories, and it doesn't always have to be just about the piece. It can be about you know. Uh, your own life and, and different things that you went through and you can trade stories that way. So I think that, that every artist wants those their, their piece to start a, a good conversation. That's, that's kind of the point. Nobody wants to just read a story and just, just learn from that story itself. We want the conversation about the thing uh, to, to be the, the, you know, what makes it last and what makes it, makes it great literature is that we keep having conversations about uh, these old pieces of, of these old works of art. Um, and so, you know, I loved asking my students about, and, and in this context too, I could ask the artists themselves because I'm not, well, <laughs> I did paint five, maybe five paintings or something uh, just for fun, uh, but definitely not an artist uh, with no skill. <laughs> um so I could ask my students who were really good, really, really, really skilled. I mean, I've seen some some kids that were just amazing. Um, I could ask them about like their thought process. What are you doing here? What are you doing there? And why did why was that there? So there's no mystery. And maybe there wasn't anything there, or maybe there was way more than I. And actually, a couple of times, um, I was just blown away. Like, oh, okay. Like now I feel like I understand this piece. I don't I don't know if I would have understood it if I didn't have this conversation with the person who made it. And so that was really valuable too. Um, and that makes them feel pr like, like confidence, right? It makes them feel really like proud of what they've, what they've done um, to, to see it come alive in someone else's eyes. Um, you know, when they pick a certain color or image, you know, they can sort of tell you about all the things that were in their head when they did that. Um, I loved compliment, complimenting them on a skill that I don't have. Right? I'm an English teacher, so that was just kind of cool to, you know, to be able to compliment them in that way. Um, and that was fun, too. During the Friday night shows, their parents would be there, their friends would be there, people would take pictures. So it was like this celebration of what they did. Um, and it, again, it just made me feel like, when like, nothing like exciting like this happens in my classroom, that's why sometimes I would invite you know different teachers to kind of bring their their work in um, and to show. And and we did that you know not just with with English teachers but with foreign language teachers. They would have projects that were really proud of what their kids produced, and have those projects down there as well too. So again, that's where you're having this kind of the art world, the kids that are in the art world sort of mingling with the kids that are just in some random class. And so it becomes this, it's not just a place for artists to hang out. It was a place kind of for everybody who had different interests to hang out. So that was nice too. Um, but yeah, it made me think about sometimes that most of the times that maybe our kids are just writing for a grade. And that's sad, right? Because we just, we get it. We read it and give them feedback. Um but when anyone writes for an audience of, of more than one person, they must write really in their head. They're writing for, for everybody. It's not like, oh, you know, I want you to write this for these four or five people. You know, you're going to write for, and I guess that's what we do when we post on the internet. We're writing for everyone. So we're a little bit more mindful of what we're saying, how we say it, uh, so we can connect with anybody. 
Um, so now I try to think of, of creative ways to not just display student work, but to create assignments that will be fun for others to view and discuss. Um, so here's a couple. So I asked my students to create one pagers or any kind of like the term that I like that I was that I used when I first started teaching was graphic organizer. It's not as exciting as, as some of the other ways that we describe. You know, we have sketch notes now and uh, you know one pagers. But anyway, any kind of graphic of you know of words, quotes, whatever, doodles. Um, I put on display in the course around the classroom, but also in the hallway. Sometimes my students work in group to create mind maps. You know, I have these posters that are fairly large, and that's exciting too because you can get it on a you know put four or five desks out and get kids to kind of make a a place to to write. You know, each kid, student can write on a different part of the poster, so they can all be working at one time because it's that big. And then, of course, they can display it. Um, like William, you know, I show William Blake's poems, um, and he created those plates uh, with the words. It's interesting, right, because those, those contain the words of the poem that have an image that corresponds to it that he created. Um, and so I'll ask them to do that sometimes, either of a poem, because I always ask them to write their own poetry, or their favorite poem from the unit, or just any poem that they find, they can kind of decorate it, you know, just make a kind of a poster out of it um, with the idea that they, maybe they'll print it out and put it in their room or just, you know, I put them, in, again, I put them in the hallway. They have these little cork boards in the hallway that I have my, the custodians put up. Um, you know, there's trophy cases that are empty. You know, sometimes we'll use those. Um, and and they can, yeah, Canvas or canva.com is, is a really great place for them to do that PowerPoint. Sometimes they know different everybody's comfortable with their own ways of making like a, a poster out of a poem which is always fun um, you know and, and in that activity you can also say like play with the colors of the words the size of the words the calligraphy it's not just hey draw like an image in this poem which of course you can create you know you can draw multiple images in the poem and that's fun you can also play around with the the text itself uh, which is fun too. People do that blackout poetry, which is which is fun. Blackout different pages of an old book and connect the words to each other in a creative way. Uh, we can always post those somewhere. They don't have to contain visuals all the time. You know, I'll ask my students uh, to to quote their favorite part of their essay and print it out, and they can display that in the hallway. I always try to make the text, tell them to make the text really big. You know, say it's a doesn't even have to be a full sentence, but say it's one sentence on an eight and a half by eleven piece of paper, so that if you're just walking by in the hallway, you can you can actually read what they're saying and have them decorate the words. And when I say essay, it could be a philosophical piece, it could be anything. Um, it could be something simple as their favorite quote from the novel you're teaching, or something like that. Uh, words word walls are fantastic. Um, where you put you know, symbolism, metonymy, synecdoche, whatever crazy terms that you're covering in your class, um, put them on. Have one student put, you know, be responsible for for you know parallel structure or whatever it might be, um, and uh, and they put the term, maybe the definition, maybe they quote an example from it. So that's on the wall in the classroom. So if they forget what a personification is. Um, you know, chiasmus or some, some you know complicated device that you're using 
Uh, there it is on the wall, and they can it, they become fluent in it when it's around them all the time. You're using the words all the time, and you're discussing of the of the, the literature, but you also have it right there visually in front of them in case they forget what it is, and then they just know what it is. And then there's the more boring stuff like model thesis statements, but that's those are always useful. Uh, sometimes I'll show body paragraphs. Again, you can like I I like to make it really big, put it on the projector. Uh, so everybody can read it and see the words, uh, top you know model topic sentences, really good introductions that you read. I've always just kind of, especially if they submit the work online, you could have them copy and paste it. They they can revise it. Um, you know you're also talking about the conclusion and the interpretation of evidence. So any part of the essay, they can revise it, put in, submit it online, and then I just copy and paste it. They don't even have I don't even have to put their name on it, so nobody knows whose it is. Unless you want to, you know, ask for volunteers, something like that. Um, copy and paste, put in a Word document. You know, index card always works. That's always fun. You know, if you want to have a question at the end of class, write the answer on an index card, put it under a document camera, and then uh, put it onto the projector. It's always easy and fun too. Um, <laughs> our school still has blackboards. All this, we always have student teachers like, you guys still have blackboards. Um, with chalk, yeah, chalk is fun. You can erase it, you know, you don't have to waste markers all the time. Um, something old school about a blackboard I just really love. Um, and I have a bunch of chalk all over the room, and actually some of our rooms, I think most of them have two blackboards. So there's just a ton of space. You know, think about that 30 by 10 foot piece of art I described, right? It's, it's a blackboard, right? So... Uh, it gets and and I love it because it gets students out of their seat, right? They walk around. It's kind of physical break, mental break. Get some energized, talking to each other about what they're writing on the board. I can see what they're writing. I can give them instant feedback on what they're writing. I talk to them about the, what they're writing. Um, I can yell at them for having bad handwriting. <laughs> it's always fun. Um, and then I, you know, when we work with the board, it might be like I'm describing, like any kind of graphic organizer, but it might be, sometimes I'll organize it so that you know, there's 20 passages and I'll put a page number and organize it so that each student is responsible for a, a particular passage and then they either write the quote or they can write a response to the quote. So you have all of this stuff um, all over the board and then they can present what they're saying by talking about what it is that's on the board so everybody can take notes on what's on the board um, and it's not just something where they're staring at a screen all day. They can, you know, maybe they have to squint their eyes a little bit <laughs> to see this writing, but they're, they're, if they're a visual learner, they can just look at it on the board. And if they're, you know, auditory listener or auditory learner, they can, they can just listen and take notes that way. Um, you know, one example, I, after we read Tintern Abbey, it's rambling five-page wonderful poem by William Wordsworth. It's all over the place. So I'm like, all right, here's, here's the most chaotic poem ever. It's all over the place. There's no stanzas or anything. I think there's stanzas, but it's just, it's, yeah, it's long. It talks about different things. Like, all right, so I just put certain topics on the board, like nature, sense, beauty, feelings, thoughts, language, self, meaning, and spirituality, right? So I throw all of those topics all over the board, and I say, all right, go find a quote that connects to one of those topics. And you, lo and behold, all the kids are walking around the class, and oh, I found this one. And so you can kind of say, why do you think that quote connects to that topic? And they explain, you know, why why something has to do with spirituality or whatever it is. Um, 
I had, I had a professor. He was my favorite, um, Thomas Sayers Ellis. He's a poet, too, um, when I was at school in Cleveland for a few years, Case Western Reserve. He, uh, he would just he would, he would lecture um, like so many of my teachers did, which I didn't mind because you just take notes, you know, and that was always fun. And so, sometimes we do like seminar, basically class discussion, right? It's like either a class or, or a seminar. Um, but he would just randomly, in the middle of him, talk, like he would be talking about something, and he would always use figurative language when he spoke and allusions. He would like talk like, mention different songs, or poems, movies, topics, phrases, names, places, dates, like I just, cra- it was crazy. And he would just like throw these random dates on the board and names of movies, and by the end of class, this whole this huge board, you know, this college board, this blackboard, it's a mess of random stuff. You know, it's like this is fantastic. Like I almost wanted to. I mean, this is before any. I think people were just starting to get cell phones at that time. Like, oh, you got a, what was it? The uh, the Nokia uh, was one of the first cell phones that people had. Um, so people like sort of had them, but it wasn't like, oh, I want to take a picture. Like I actually wanted to take like by whatever that disposable cameras that we had and uh just take a picture of what he wrote because it was just so beautiful uh, it was like physics or jazz but with like letters sounds and symbols that were all connected everybody should be like think about this right like this is one guy speaking and just writing random crap on a board um but but what about if everybody did that right like we could just name, like if a student says something in the middle of a conversation, that's really great when you're talking about your, your novel, you know, hey, write that on the board. What do you mean? I don't know. Just write something on the board. <laughs> just write some, some part of what you said on the board. A phrase, a word, you know, whatever it is. Just write, that was great. Put that on the board. And just do that all the, during the whole period. So every once in a while, if you say something great, you know what? You get up, get up out of your seat, get a, get a, get a little bit of exercise. We've been sitting all day, and just go write what you said on the board. And everybody can can take a note on it if they want to. It's there. They can look back. And maybe it works its way back into the conversation. Oh, remember so and so wrote this on the board. Um, every day should be collaborative art. You know, that's that's kind of the frame of mind that we need to be in. Um, then there are the ways that we show student work using technology. This is a whole other thing. I'm not going to, I don't know, I'm 42 minutes in here. I'm not going to get into this. Maybe another time. Um, and I've, I've, had, I've talked about this topic before. And in my course, you can, of course, uh, look at all the different technology that I use in my class. But you got, now we got, pot, you know, so it's not just visuals, right? You got podcasts. You got, not, it could be visuals, like short films and video essays have a visual component to it. But it, it's also, you know, a handwritten thing first or a typed thing first. Uh, that then we create with, yeah, we have, we attach images to it. Um, Students, I mean, in the end, students put more effort into thinking and writing when they know that more than one person will hear their words. Displaying student work builds confidence and allows students to start conversations with their ideas instead of letting them wither out on the paper. Thanks for listening, everybody.